been looking forward to having Dr. Edward Funkhauser come back tonight and update his necrology for this year, 2021. And indeed, he will do that in just a couple of three minutes here. But before we do that, we need to focus on something that's been on all our minds for a while, and that is the weather. And it seems like it's just about over, but we're going to check with uh, the people right at the top from the National Weather Service. I think John told me your name is James Danko. Is that right, sir? Yes, it is. Good. Good evening to you. Good evening. Thanks for, thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, and uh, I am... Um, I guess what the question I want to ask you is uh, sort of where are we in dealing with this storm that we have been anticipating in, in several ways, particularly since yesterday and its movement through the Deep South? It seems like it's just about over or it's moving off to Virginia, but take a couple of minutes and, and tell us about sort of what happened today. Sure, sure. So we had um, we had a line of, of storms come through um the, the northern Piedmont, um, the northern and western Piedmont mainly, um, this afternoon and early evening um, as, a, uh, as a warm front lifted north and, and kind of um, converged with another frontal boundary. Um, and that, that boundary became the focus for uh, some, some severe storms with, with even some rotation. Um, so we have um, the 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 worst of the damage reports that we've received um, are up in uh, from about High Point over to um, Alamance and Orange counties. Uh, we had a pretty um, pretty strong thunderstorm go through there uh, with some with some rotation that we could see on radar. Um, there was even there was some trees and power lines out, even some structural damage um, with that. And so um, we're going to be going out tomorrow, um, so, some people from our office, to assess whether a tornado w actually did occur with that storm. Um, and then we also had some storms down in, um, in like, the, the southwestern Piedmont um, Stanley, Montgomery, Richmond, Anson counties down there. Um, and we still have some, actually, that's the only area that we still have um, any sort of thunderstorm activity now. Um, we're not expecting really a widespread severe threat anymore. Uh, the atmosphere is really starting to stabilize now. Um, however, down there with those storms, there could still be some additional um, additional lightning and brief heavy downpours um, and maybe some gusty winds, but overall the, the threat for any uh, widespread severe weather and, and certainly tornadoes has, um, has greatly diminished. And, and for the rest of the area um, where, the, where the front has, has cleared through, um, we're really not expecting much of anything for the rest of the night. Okay. Well, that's exactly what I want. You're very... Very direct, and we've got exactly the kind of report we want. And I guess uh, overnight uh, things will be a little cooler, and tomorrow I, I understand we're going to have some rain, but that would, would cover the weather story for tonight. I, am, am, I, am I doing okay? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. Um, well, James, I want to thank you. I know I threw you kind of a curveball in asking for a little bit of history there, but uh, 
I think you were very succinct and and, and covered the covered the item very well. And uh, uh, it, it's good to to feel like that the the storm activity is gone for now or passed off into Virginia or or whatever. And uh, and uh, but I thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, your colleague Nick Petro quite often visits with us on our program. We'll have to have you come sometime if you if you're willing and and talk about the weather. <laughs> sure, sure, sounds okay. great. Well, thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, James Danko right. of the National Weather Service, located at the Centennial Campus uh, of NC State, and uh, an update on the weather. And uh, uh, we uh, had some uh, uh, straight-line wind damage, some trees down, uh, and some uh, rotation, apparently. And uh, as he said, the, the job tomorrow will be to confirm whether or not there were, were actual tornadoes involved. Tom Kearney here. The time is, let's see, 9-11 now. And we, we are going to get back to what they used to call in the old days our regularly, regularly scheduled programming. Dr. Ed Funkhauser started uh, visiting with us, I think it was in 19, uh, 2006, not 1906. That's a pretty long time ago. Uh, but 2006, not that long. Thomas Alva Edison would be surprised at, <laughs> and Lee DeForest and all those other radio people that, uh, that you, were, you were able to get the word out. But Dr. Funkhauser is a professor emeritus at NC State University, where he was in communications. In fact, he taught radio and was at one time a radio announcer himself. And I think he he is good for him to keep his hand in with us. He keeps the keeper of the role of our necrology, which is a word that that we borrowed from the Greeks, which means a list of those who have died but who deserve to be remembered. And we usually update it about every four to six weeks, and it's been about six weeks now, so we're going to start tonight with a, a list of those who have passed away, and you might have missed some of them since uh, around the 1st of February. Ed, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go, Tom. Uh, uh, got some interesting folks to talk about tonight. Okay, well, you've got, I've, I've got one that I have, a, I have a story to go with, and so I'll tell it, tell it to you when the time comes. Okay. Uh, well, I think we should start tonight with George Schultz, who passed away on February 6th. George Schultz was 100 years old, Tom. Um, uh, he was, of course, the United States Secretary of State uh, for seven years under Ronald Reagan, but he had also been the Secretary of the Treasury, the Director of the Office of Management and Budget, and also the Secretary of Labor. Um, so he held a lot of positions. Uh, he had served in the Marines during World War II, had a Ph.D. in economics from MIT, and was the father of five children, George Schultz. Let me tell you one thing about George Schultz that I admired him for. During his stand as Secretary of State under President Reagan, there were some leaks in information, and uh, the administration decided they were going to give everybody a, a, a lie detector test. And uh, Secretary of State Schultz told them if they could, if they didn't trust him to be Secretary of State, they know they knew what they could do with the job. I think is how it went. <laughs> they didn't right. need to bother. He would just go somewhere else. Right. Well, also uh, passing away on March first at the age of eighty-five was Vernon Jordan. Who remembered him? He was a well-known civil rights activist and attorney. He was the executive director of the United Negro College Fund, president of the National Urban League. And he was on the board of directors of many um, U.S. corporations and maybe best known in some ways as a 
political advisor, well-known political advisor, a White House advisor to President Clinton. He survived an attempt on his life in 1980. He was shot in Indiana by a fellow named Joseph Paul Franklin, who was the same guy who shot Larry Flint. Remember that? In 1978. If you don't, stand by, because Larry Flynn is coming up shortly. Um, we have a sort of a, a national and a local flavor tonight, both both ways here on our show tonight. So we want to mention a leader of the North Carolina Senate, uh, R.C. Souls Jr., uh, died February the 5th. He was 86 years old. He was a North Carolina senator, a state senator from 1977 to 2011. That's a long time. Prior to that, he'd been in the House of Representatives. He uh, lived in Tabor City, which is down in the southeast part of the state. Uh, he was an attorney. He was the founding president of the community college, the Southeastern Community College down there, which I believe is in Brunswick County. Um, near the end of his career, there was some difficulty. It occurred some controversies and sometimes some violent incidents, and he, he chose uh, not to run for re-election, but he was a senator and a leader for a long time, Tom. Um, another person uh, with a, uh, a national and local interest is Margaret Marin, who passed away February 23rd at the age of 82. Now, Margaret Marin was uh, quite well-known and acclaimed an award-winning mystery novelist. She wrote uh, more than 30 novels and many short stories. Uh, she was a leader in national literary organizations, and she lived in Johnston County. She was born in Greensboro, but raised and lived her life in Johnston County, North Carolina. Uh, her Deborah Knott mystery series certainly has a North Carolina flavor, if you've read any of those. They're quite good. I certainly recommend them. Can I tell my story now? Sure. That, that's who you're talking about, right? Yeah. That, that's, okay. Margaret was a frequent guest. Uh, I think uh, we reviewed on the, on the radio just about all of the 20 or so Deborah Knott uh, mysteries, and uh, she did one of them in the mid-'90s, uh, and the focus was around what was obviously Hurricane Fran. Uh, uh, there, was, there was, you know, local names appeared, and, right. and somewhere in the novel she said that she was, uh, Deborah Knott said she was driving home and listening to WPTF radio uh, for news <laughs> about the hurricane that was coming, and when she got home she sat down and watched Larry Stogner on Channel 11. Well, when, when we did that on the air, I said to Margaret, dang, actually, that isn't what I said, but something close to that. And, uh, Margaret, that was my chance to be. I was the one that was on WPTF that night. And she <laughs> just looked at me like, okay, well. Yeah, you could have been in one of her books, you know. It was one of her books. But when the paperback came out, she had changed it, and I got my name in her book. Yeah, that was what? really Oh, nice really? Book. Yes. That well, congratulations. That's wonderful. Well, Thank you. I hope you didn't mind me telling that story, but uh, uh, it's uh, it was a, a real, real. Uh, I enjoyed it, that, and, and I enjoyed particularly that she was was willing to go to that uh, yeah. that far. Before you right. you talk about the next person on your list, I think I know who it is. Can we take a pause here for a minute and take a break and come back? And you're going to, I believe, talk about a man uh, whose name is Lawrence Fairlingetti. Is that right? Lawrence Fellingetti, yes. Okay, that's a little tease. We'll we'll hear about him. He's a graduate of the University of North Carolina right after this. Baby love, my baby love, I need you. Oh, oh, I need you. But all you do is 
And you're probably wondering on the Tom Kearney Show why you're hearing the Supremes. Well, you'll find out, but not immediately, because Dr. Funkhauser has to talk about a couple of other figures, but eventually he will talk about a member of the Supremes who passed away. Uh, coming up uh, in just a, a couple of minutes here on WPTF. Ed? Yeah. Uh, Mary Wilson passed away, Tom. Uh, died February the 8th, 76 years old. Um, she was an original member of the Supremes. Uh, she actually was a background singer for them, uh, for the Supremes most of her career. But uh, one of the interesting things about Mary Wilson, she wrote a book called Dream Girl, My Life is a Supreme, which was published in 1986 and was a bestseller. And I recall reading that book. It was quite good. She was a native of Greenville, Mississippi, Mary Wilson, of the Supremes, a mother of three. Now, Tom, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, right. We said we were going to speak about him. He died February 22nd, and Ferlinghetti was 101 years old at the time of his passing. He was a poet, um, wrote... Uh, uh, books in many languages, uh, sold millions of copies. He was also a painter, uh, but he, he owned a, a bookstore in San Francisco called the City Lights Bookstore, probably the most famous bookstore in the United States. Um, he graduated from UNC in Chapel Hill in 1941 in journalism. A, a, while he was there, he wrote about sports. He was a sports writer for the Daily Tar Heel newspaper. And during World War II, he was the commander of a ship, a U.S. Navy submarine chaser, as a matter of fact, Lawrence Ferlinghetti. I never ima imagined Lawrence Ferlinghetti as being a uh, commander of a submarine chaser. I will tell you by way of personal testimony that when Mrs. Kearney and I went to San Francisco, my first trip, she said, well, is there any particular place you'd like to go? And I said, the City Lights Bookshop. And she looked at me like I was kind of crazy, but... She didn't know I was a fan of the Beatniks and uh, and so on. So, but that was the where they hung out in San Francisco, and yeah. uh, I owned a couple of copies of a book called The Coney Island of the Mind, which Lawrence Ferlinghetti wrote the, the poems in it. Okay, okay. Well, moving along, uh, Larry Flint passed away on February tenth. Larry Flint was seventy-eight years old. Now, of course, uh, quite famous and uh, <laughs> quite controversial. He was the publisher of pornography, as a matter of fact, a Hustler magazine, videos, other media. Uh, of course, Flint was famously sued by Jerry Falwell over remarks that he published in Hustler magazine. And there was a big court case which Flint won, as a matter of fact. And he was, by the way, shot in 1978 and was not killed, but he had to spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair as a result of being shot in 1978 um, by an assassin who didn't get the job quite done, the same guy that uh, shot Vernon Jordan, his name is Joseph Paul Franklin. He also shot Vernon Jordan, who we mentioned earlier in the program in 1980. Franklin, by the way, was acquitted of the Jordan shooting, was never charged with the Flint shooting, but later confessed to both of them. Um, but Franklin also... Uh, was convicted of several murders and died by lethal injection in 2013 at the age of 63 after 16 years on death row, as a matter of fact. Actors Christopher Plummer, a uh, famous uh, Canadian. He's Canadian. I, I didn't really know that. That's something I learned. Uh, he was a famous stage and movie actor, born in Toronto, active for many years from about 1954 until, well, 2021. 
He won many awards, including the Academy Award and Tony Award and others. Uh, notable roles included uh, George Van Trapp in The Sound of Music. I think most of us remember that. He also was famous as a Shakespearean stage actor. And we want to mention Henry Darrow, March 14th, age 87. He was one of those people who we might not recognize the name, but his face was everywhere. He was born Enrique Tomas Delgado in New York City, uh, but he used the name Henry Darrow. He was prolific. I mean, he was in hundreds of television shows, uh, dramatic television shows between 1959 and 1997. I would say almost all of them. He appeared in many soap operas, soap operas and also in over 40 movies, Tom. He played Manuel Montoya in TV's High Chaparral, uh, 1967 through 1970. Henry Barrow, we want to mention him. And we certainly want to mention Roger Mudd, March 9th. He was 93 years old, a TV broadcast journalist. Um, he was with CBS from 1961 to 1980, and later with NBC. But he also did, uh, he worked on the McNeil Lair News Hour for uh, about six years. He was an anchor on the History Channel later in his career. But he, he was known to most of us, I think, who were of a certain age now, uh, as the Cronkite substitute, his chief substitute. But he also did the NBC Nightly News later and also was the host of Meet the Press on NBC. One of many, many uh, awards, as a matter of fact. Most people thought that he would get Mr. Cronkite's job when he retired, but they gave it to uh, Dan Rath. Rath. Dan Rath, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And so uh, I I always admired uh, uh, him and he... uh, I think started his broadcasting career, I believe, in Richmond, Virginia, if I remember correctly. That's right. He graduated from Washington and Lee. Okay. Uh, right. Matter of fact, in Lexington. I was looking through some old records at WPTF many years ago, and once they had staged a radio contest for young broadcasters in Virginia, and they, they staged it at WPTF because it was in another state, and one of the people who was competing in this was Roger Mudd, and I... I always wanted to keep that record because sure. before he got started in broadcasting. Well, okay. I a local business owner, uh, Charles Winston, died February the 9th. He was 91 years old. And we know what Charles Winston established, don't we, Tom? Along with Fabio Jr., the Angus Barn, the famous restaurant on, out on Glenwood Avenue in 1960. But also Daryl's. Tom, remember Daryl's? Oh, he used to eat pizza there on Oakland, oh, Oakland, yeah. Hillsboro. He, he, Charles Winston with your with Fab Year Jr. and Daryl Davis in 1970 created Daryl's, which I really liked that restaurant. Uh, then he entered into the hotel business, Winston Hotels. Um, Charles Winston was a board member of many civic organizations, as a matter of fact. Let's take a break now, Ed, and check out the news and so on, and then come back and we'll get some more figures for our necrology, those people who have died and deserve to be remembered, as I like to say, before the colors fade. Ed Funkhauser is our guest on the Tom Kearney Show tonight, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Oh, we're back. Tom Kearney here with Dr. Edward Funkhauser former professor of communications at NC State and sometime disc jockey. And 
that's one of those sounds, one of those songs that wants you to, to return to spinning the old uh, platters on the tables that turn. Yeah, wow. it's about yeah. uh, what is it? The stair steps. Yeah, the five steps. That song, Ooh Child, uh, 1970, was a million seller. It is the absolute classic example uh, in the music business of a one-hit wonder. <laughs> the name of the group were the Five Stair Steps, and the, the Five Stair Steps were a group of five sisters and brothers in Chicago that were actually organized uh, for 10 years, from 66 to 76, but they had only one hit, and it was a big one, uh, Ooh Child in 1970. Well, uh, the reason we're mentioning that is that James Burke, one of the brothers, passed away on February 19th. He was 70 years old. Uh, so and another musician I want to mention, Tom, is Chick Corea. Uh, if you're into jazz, you know all about uh, Chick Corea, well-known jazz composer, keyboardist, band leader. Guy won 23 Grammy Awards for his uh, music, uh, known for blending acoustic and electronic instruments. Chick Corea died on February 9th. Chick was 79. Uh, years old. I want to mention a few people fairly quickly. A lot of attention devoted to the passing of Rush Limbaugh on February 17th. Rush was 70 years old. Obviously, uh, we know him as a conservative political radio commentator. He did it from 1983 to 2021. Um, he had the most listened to radio show in the United States. He wrote seven books. He's in the Broadcasters Hall of Fame, a native of Missouri, Rush Limbaugh. Carl Walenda died, the daughter of Carl, K-A-R-L, Walenda. Now, we know, I guess most of us have heard of the Flying Walendas, the high-wire acts, the people who grew up on the high wires without a net below, and they have done this. Carl Walenda started this in 1922, Tom. That's 99 years ago, possibly 100 years ago, about, about that length of time, and they're still at it. His uh, his uh, ancestor, I mean his uh, his progeny, are absolutely doing this now. Still, grandkids, etc., great grandkids are still walking across from one skyscraper to the other, and in circuses and so forth uh, on the high wire. As a matter of fact, they also remember when they one of them walked across uh, on a high wire across Niagara Falls. As a matter of fact, this well, that's one that I remember. Uh, yes. Yeah, Carla Walenda uh, passed away on March 6th, age 85, and she was the daughter of the founder. Adam McDonald died. He's one of my heroes. He was an engineer for Morton Thiokol. It's a long story, but this was the guy that said, hey, look, January the 26th, 1986, don't shoot that Challenger space shuttle because uh, we think it might have a problem. And NASA would not listen to him. They fired the thing into the sky. And 73 seconds later, we all know what happened. It exploded, and it exploded for the very reasons that McDonald warned of. And he is considered today to be somewhat of an ethical hero um, in uh, his stance that he took. Adam McDonald died March the 6th. He was 83 years old. Uh, well, let's uh, mention a few sports broadcasters, Tom. Uh, as we get over to the sports area, Pedro Gomez. Oh, I'm sorry to hear this. He died rather unexpectedly and suddenly, I believe, at home. Uh, he was a sports reporter for ESPN from 2003 until uh, he passed away. Primarily, uh, Pedro's beat was baseball. Uh, 
very well known, often seen on uh, ESPN's baseball broadcast. Uh, he was, um, his parents, anyway, were Cuban refugees. He's a graduate of the University of Miami. He was 58 years old when he died on February 7th. And you remember Irv Cross, I'm sure, Tom, died February 28th. Irv was 81. He I've always thought he was player. a very classy guy. Ed. Yes, sir. Uh, he was a cornerback in the NFL, two-time Pro Bowl player with the Eagles, as a matter of fact. But he was well-known as a CBS uh, TV sports commentator from 1971 to 1994. He co-hosted the NFL Today uh, from 1975 to 1989. That's 14 years with Phyllis George and Brent Musburger. Herb Cross played football and graduated they played football four and graduated from Northwestern uh, University. So those two sportscasters we thought a great deal of. Well, Tom, are we ready to get started maybe with some sports figures? Why not? We, we've got about five or eight minutes before we need to take our next break, so jump into the pool. Okay, well, let's mention some names of people that you might remember. Um, Tony Jones. That uh, January 22nd, he was 54 years old, fairly young man. He had been uh, an offensive lineman for 12, actually 13 seasons in the NFL. He was a starter for the Broncos in two Super Bowls, an All-Pro selection and a Pro Bowl selection. As a matter of fact, he played college football at Western Carolina University, did Tony Jones. Ray Perkins was the head coach of the Giants. For four years, the New York Giants and the NFL. He was the head coach of the University of Alabama for four years, 83 to 86. Then he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks for four years. So that's, by my calculations, 12 years of being a head coach of big teams, one in college and two in the pros. He was a football player at Alabama. He was captain of the Alabama football team and an All-American there. He died December the 9th and he was 79 years old. And a name I remember, Ron Whitby, W-I-D-B-Y, he actually was a great basketball player, an All-American basketball player at the University of Tennessee. Um, but he also played football there, and he became the punter for the Dallas Cowboys for five seasons uh, for the Cowboys, and two seasons later with the Packers. He was a Pro Bowl selection in 1971 and a Super Bowl six champ with the Cowboys uh, after the 1971 season. Ron would be by December 22nd, he was 75 years old. Robert Pascal, All-ACC and first-team All-American halfback at Duke University. Uh, he was Duke's leading rusher and MVP in 1955, graduated in 1956, Spent a year in the Canadian Football League, uh, and the team he was with that one year won the Grey Cup, as a matter of fact. Uh, he then became a successful businessman in Maryland, and he was a Maryland State Senator in the 1970s. And the Pascal Fieldhouse at Duke University is named for him, as a matter of fact. Okay, shall I keep going, Tom? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, let's take the next three, and then we'll take a break. Maybe. Marty Schottenheimer, remember him? February yes. 78, age 77. Um, he was an NFL player for several years, but that's not how we remember Marty Schottenheimer. He was the head coach of the Browns, the Chiefs, and the Redskins 
and the Chargers between 1984 and 2006. His longest stint was with the Chiefs uh, from 1989 to 1998. He was coach of the year with the Chargers in 2004. And Marty Schottenheimer and his family lived at Lake Norman, North Carolina. By the way, his son Brian is an assistant coach now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Marty Schottenheimer. Okay, Tom, you say it's time for us to maybe take a break? Uh, we can take a break. Uh, yeah, we'll take a break now. Uh, Vincent Jackson is waiting to be recognized, and Charlie Kruger. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, that's called a tease in the radio business. But uh, yeah, and we got some champion boxers too. Okay, yes, a couple of couple of uh, guys whose names would be recognized, and you'll hear all about them uh, uh, on our necrology after we take this break. known people, celebrities, athletes, political figures, what have you, that uh, have passed away recently and deserve to be remembered. And uh, uh, I was really aware of the value of this program back in the fall when uh, Bob Gibson died, and I did not even know it until Ed Funkhauser put him on the necrology. And Dr. Funkhauser says we need to talk about some sports figures, and so here we are, Ed. Okay, well, I'm going to go. I've got a lot of names here, Tom. I'm kind of go want to go a bit quickly through some of them. Vincent Jackson passed away February 15th. He was only 38 years old. He had been an NFL receiver who, of some success, he exceeded 1,000 yards receiving six times in his career uh, between 2005 and 2016. He was a three-time Pro Bowler. Um, he was found dead in his hotel room in Boston. Autopsy showed that he had CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Um, and uh, it's a brain disorder thought to be caused by taking a hit to the head, as a matter of fact. Charlie Kruger was an NFL defensive tackle for the 49ers for 15 years, two-time pro bowler. He played at Texas A&M, where he was a two-time All-American. And Bear Bryant was the head coach at Texas A&M when Charlie Kruger played there, as a matter of fact. He died February 5th at age 84. Well, a champion boxer, Leon Spinks, now remember him. He was the undisputed heavyweight champion. I'll try not to sound like Howard Cosell here, Tom, but um, <laughs> he was the undisputed heavyweight champion in 1978 by beating Muhammad Ali in a split decision. But he, he lost to Ali seven months later in a unanimous decision. However, Leon Spinks won a gold medal for the U.S. in the 1976 Olympics. His brother, Michael Spinks, won the middleweight gold that same year. Leon Spinks served in the U.S. Marines for three years and was stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And marvelous Marvin Hagler died March 13th. He was 66 years old. He was the undisputed middleweight champion uh, from 1980 to 1987. That's a long time. And he had 12 successful defenses during that period. Changed his name, his formal name, to Marvelous Marvin Hagler in 1982. (laughs) I was going to say he was guilty of self-promotion. Yes, he was. Uh, He moved to Italy after his boxing career and became a TV a commentator on boxing broadcasts, and also an actor. Want to have some time to get the baseball players 
Uh, I know you know Grant Jackson. You're a Pittsburgh fan there, Tom. He was the pitcher for six teams for 18 seasons. He died February 2nd, age 78. Um, he, was, he played for six teams for 18 seasons, I beg your pardon. And those years were 1965 to 1982. He was an all-star. He pitched in three World Series, and he won Game 7 for the Pirates in 1979. Something I'm sure you remember, Tom. That was, the, UR, that was the We Are Family team, yes, I remember. Yeah. After his playing days, he was a coach for the Pirates and the Reds. Joe Altabelli uh, was a player, played for the Indians and the Twins, but we think of Altabelli as a manager. He was a manager of the Giants in the late 70s, the Orioles in the early and mid-80s, and the Cubs in 1991. And he won the World Series with the Orioles in 1983. How about that? He, uh, he replaced Earl Weaver as the manager of the Orioles. He had a long-time association with the Orioles' Triple-A team, by the way, the Rochester Red Wings. He was the manager and also later a color commentator on Red Wing radio broadcast. Billy Canigliero passed away February 10th. He was 73 years old. Outfielder for Boston, Milwaukee, and Oakland. He was a brother of Tony Canigliero. He was the younger brother of Tony and a teammate of Tony on the Red Sox in 1969 and 70, Billy Canigliero. How about Norm Sherry? Uh, died March 8th, uh, age 89. He was a catcher, uh, manager and coach. He played for the Dodgers and the Mets. He was manager of the California Angels in 76 and 77 and then was a coach for four different teams. Credited for helping Sandy Koufax improve his uh, control, as a matter of fact. Norm Sherry passed away March 8th at 89. Uh, a Canadian. Um, Riel Cormier uh, passed away March 8th. He was 53 years old. Uh, he pitched for a long time, 16 years. That's a long career for five teams. And he pitched for Canada in the 1988 Olympics. He appeared in 683 Major League Baseball games. He was mainly a release pitcher, but um, he did start 108 games. Most of his time was spent with the Cardinals, the Red Sox, and the Phillies. Dan Williams. Uh, passed away February 20th. He was 84. He pitched 14 seasons with six teams. He was an all-star, World Series champ in 59 and 1990 with the Dodgers and then the Reds. He uh, had 482 appearances in his career and later was a pitching coach for 14 seasons for five for five teams. And also, we want to mention Ed Elmbrister, a member of the Big Red Machine. He passed away yesterday. He was 72 years old. Uh, he was from the Bahamas, the only baseball player I know of from the Bahamas. I'm not sure he was the only one, but there aren't many. He was World Series champion, of course, with the Cincinnati Reds in 75 and 76. He was a utility player, an outfielder, and he died at home in Nassau after a long struggle with diabetes. Got to mention two hockey players, Tom Mark Pavlik. Uh, he was a forward in, with, in the, in the uh, National Hockey League for 11 years. By, we remember Mark Pavlik is a member of the Miracle on Ice US, U.S. Olympic team in 1980. You remember they beat the Soviets 4-3 to on Mike Arruzzioni's winning goal with 10 minutes remaining in the game, and Pavlik made the pass to Arruzzioni on that goal. Of course, there have been several movies made about this uh, hockey game. Um, 
And by the way, in 1983, Pavlik scored five goals in an NHL game. He was a native of Minnesota. And Ralph Backstrom uh, was an NHL player. He was a center for 18 seasons uh, from 1956 to 1973 with three different teams. He was a rookie of the year, and he won the Stanley Cup six times with Montreal, a six-time All-Star. And after his playing days were over, he was the hockey coach at the University of Denver after his playing days. And Tom, that's our list for tonight. Uh, there were 34 of them that we, we discussed you, you, tonight. You did very well, and you've almost tied it up into a nice, neat package for us. Sometimes I know you, you stick a couple of books in that you, you want to give us a little bibliography, and you've got well, probably about two and a half minutes to do that if you want to. Well, one, uh, two books that I, one I've just finished and one I'm in the middle of is Galileo and the Science Deniers by Mario Livio. I think I may have mentioned this last time, but I've now finished this book. Uh, and it's about uh, the life of Galileo and what he what he discovered. And Galileo was the guy who really standard, uh, established the standards for how science was to be conducted, as a matter of fact. I think we owe a great deal to Galileo, and I enjoyed this book. It isn't a large book. It's uh, very doable, even if you're not really into science. And it's about the impact of science on all of our lives, uh, and uh, really quite quite a, a well-written uh, work, I think. Another book that I find interesting is about blood. Uh, I mean, well, I'm sorry, but it is about blood. Nine Pints is the name of the book, A Journey Through the Money, Medicine, and Mysteries of Blood, written by a woman, a British lady named Rose George. And it's about sort of the history of blood, the blood transfusions, uh, blood diseases, and the buying and selling of blood and plasma worldwide. Uh, it's uh, obviously not a work of fiction. It is uh, a non, uh, non-fiction work, but uh, I'm enjoying that as well. So those are a couple of books. Uh, Does it have something about the discovery of the RH factor? Is that uh, I didn't haven't gotten to that point in this book. I'm most of the way through it and haven't seen that. But okay. it is about um, issues that have come up with plasma and people uh, who are hemophilic and they um, have to have factor, um, what is called factor eight, and that comes from plasma. And so much of the plasma was tainted with hepatitis C and the disasters that were caused by that. So it's not a particularly good story, at least that part of it. But the story about the blood transfusion and the blood and the growth of the blood transfusion service, the voluntary blood transfusion service, is quite hopeful for mankind, I think. Well, we started out with the weather, and we, we've got it all cleared up now, and we're going to ride into the moonset. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Sure enough, Tom, I enjoyed it. Okay, take care. Ed Funkhauser, our guest tonight, uh, our recent update on the... Uh, necrology. Uh, he'll be back in about four weeks to to update it once again.